the Buddha had many lists to help us remember what we need to remember in order to beautify our hearts. We've heard some of these lists here, the five hindrances, the uh, seven factors of enlightenment, you've heard about that on the side, the four noble truths, the eightfold noble path. And then there is the, this one grouping called the three pillars of the Dhamma, the three pillars of the Dhamma. They are dana or generosity, sila or harmonious living, and bhavana, the cultivation of the mind, the heart. All of the lists and all of the skills that are being taught to us have to do with developing what we need to develop in order to relinquish, to abandon, to let go of those habitual qualities of mind and heart that don't do us any good, that lead to suffering for ourselves and others. Or the skills that we develop have to do with developing the causes and conditions for happiness in a very direct way. The skill of metta, of compassion, Here in our practice, in a retreat such as this, we're mostly working on the third of the pillars of the Dhamma, which is bhavana, developing a mind and heart through meditation, through the cultivation of concentration, and through concentration, the cultivation of wisdom. And you've heard here and there us talking about sila, morality, or harmonious living through speech and action. Tomorrow night, Steve will give a talk on right speech, harmonious speech. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about dana, the first of the three pillars of the Dharma. This dana is generosity, developing a generous heart through sharing, the sharing of our lives. When we do this, this counteracts the forces of attachment, of clinging, of holding on, those forces that keep us on the wheel of suffering. So the Buddha always gave the teaching first on dana. This is from the text. On one occasion, the Blessed One was dwelling among among the Sakyans, and one of them asked him, Venerable Sir, in what way is a lay follower accomplished in generosity? And the Buddha answered, A lay follower dwells at home with a mind devoid of the stain of stinginess, freely generous, open-handed, delighting in relinquishment, one devoted to charity, delighting in giving. In that way, a lay follower is accomplished in generosity. In what way, Venerable Sir, is a lay follower accomplished in virtue or in sila? A lay follower abstains from the destruction of life, says the Buddha, from taking what is not given, 
from sexual misconduct, from false speech, from intoxicants that are the basis for negligence. Then the lay follower is accomplished in virtue. In what way, Venerable Sir, is a lay follower accomplished in wisdom? A lay follower is wise, says the Buddha. He possesses wisdom directed to arising and passing away, which is noble and penetrative, leading to the complete destruction of suffering. In that way, a lay follower is accomplished in wisdom. So these are the three important pillars that our practice rests upon. It is the foundation of our spiritual evolution. The Buddha said that generosity is the beginning practice for those who wish to diminish the forces of suffering. No spiritual life is possible without it. Recently, a friend of ours, Roger Walsh, who is connected, a longtime friend of here, IMS, he's a professor uh, at UC Irvine of uh, philosophy and also of uh, anthropology. And I think it was the last five years he wrote a book about the central practices that awaken the mind and the heart. And he looked over all the major philosophies and religions of the world and found that generosity is one of the major practices. So it's really such an important practice to bring our attention to, to reflect on. We need to pay attention to all the practices. Otherwise, the foundation of our spiritual evolution will become weak. And the Dhamma will become weak. Because the Dhamma in the West and wherever it has been uh, offered has greatly rested on the generosity of the beings that receive the Dhamma. When the teachings came to the West, we started out with understanding the last of the three pillars first. We started as Westerners to begin understanding and practicing the bhavana part, the cultivation of concentration and wisdom. And so we're, we're sort of, um, we kind of started backwards. When I'm in Asia and I hear followers come to hear our teachers, our monastic teachers, no matter where they are in the practice, he always gives a talk on dana and then sila, and then talks about meditation. Many years ago, I was helping my uh, first teacher, Manindraji, through a period of illness. And I was nursing him and cooking for him and all of the things he needed to get through that time of illness. And uh, one time when I was with him in his room, he said, do you understand about dana, about generosity? Do you understand the ramifications of your actions here? He felt um, that, you know, I, I was giving out of a good heart, and that was wonderful, but I really didn't understand the long-term ramification of that gift. 
I just felt it was a blessing to care for him. He's one of our kind of living Dhamma treasures, well, at that time. And later on, I understood that those who offer the Dhamma, um, and he had dedicated his life to the Dhamma this way, what they offer is the gift of the deathless. The deathless means the gift of a heart free from greed, hatred, and delusion. And so <clears throat> he said to me, you can practice generosity really in two ways. You can practice it without wisdom, without the full understanding, or you can practice it with wisdom, truly understanding the cause and effect relationship of it, the near and far benefits of this act. He wanted to bring it out of the realm of habit for me and bring it into the realm of conscious intention, making it truly a mindfulness practice as a Metta is a mindfulness practice. Generosity is a mindfulness practice. So is compassion. So bringing it into the light of wise attention. So I thought about for myself at that time how true it is that most of the action that I uh, do with generosity is more out of habit than anything else. It's more because... Well, in that area of my life, it, it, it is a habit to just offer what I can. Uh, there's not a lot of conscious intention around it. It just a kind of just offer what I can. Sometimes it's not simply out of habit. It's out of the reason because I see everybody else giving, and it's just the right thing to do at the time. Um, so I was really interested in what he was offering, and, and so he proceeded to give me some points about generosity that stayed with me for a long, long time. And he shared this knowledge with me so that I could truly understand and with more um, power in my intention go forth in, in my actions of generosity. So I'm sharing this with you out of the same intention. The aim of the practice of generosity is twofold. The first aim, of course, is to free others, to free others of their discomfort, of their hunger, of their suffering in any way, whether it be in the present time or in the future time when we know it might be difficult for them. We offer others this to bring happiness to them. So we offer maybe our energy. We offer our time. We offer a listening ear. We offer our material goods. Or maybe it's an act of generosity to um, just not need to give an opinion, to just let that be in the recesses and let people express themselves. This first way of giving, where we free others of their discomfort, their suffering, the results of this, in a karmic way, is greater ease for ourselves. So this cause of giving to help others to ease their suffering, the effect of that, karmically, is it eases also our own suffering. The second aim 
is to free ourselves. And this is a part that I never really understood. Not that when we know that, we do it with that kind of an agenda, but that we know that when we give, there are lots of qualities of mind that are being developed that serve to free our hearts of greed, hatred, and delusion. Because in the movement of the heart to share, to offer, to let go of what is ours, whether it's a material what is ours or energy or time, it's an act of relinquishment. It's an act of abandonment. It's a moment of non-clinging. It's a moment of not holding. And we're, we're really in that moment not wanting anything else but to help another person. And that is compassion more than anything else. So this act of giving frees ourselves of the forces of attachment which is the major force of, uh, that keeps us on this wheel of suffering. The deepest root of our suffering is this attachment. I think, I don't know, I, I was raised as a Catholic, as a Christian, and somebody said along the way, I think it was one of my relatives, cast your bread upon the waters, and what you'll get back is a casserole. You know, it's... <laughs> It's always not just bread, but a little bit more than that. And so I've, I've found that this, this is true. Um, now, in, in the last 10 years, and in the last 7 years, that I gave up my full-time job in order to share the Dhamma. And I, um, you know, I, I live with a lot, lot less, but I'm a lot happier. And there's a lot more giving that I, I have the opportunity to do, and I'm, I'm just a lot happier. And actually, I feel a lot more comfortable in many, many ways. Steve mentioned last night uh, the comfort of riding on first class, you know, because of all the miles that we fly to come and teach to you all. So we gather all of that up and And the result of that is we get a first-class ticket upgrade once in a while. There's there's just a lot more comfort that comes in the laws of cause and effect, but also because in the moment it's very comfortable. It's a lot. There's a lot of happiness that's produced in all those moments of giving. On a deeper level, the results are far-reaching. The results are a heart that is more and more freed of the deepest root of suffering, and that is attachment. Because of the wholesome pattern that's being cultivated, the wholesome pattern of letting go, it's just easier and easier not to hold on. And this is something that we can practice all the time in our daily lives, actually a lot more than here when we're on retreat, we practice generosity in many, many ways. So on an external level, it frees others. On an internal level, it frees ourselves. Layers of clinging, layers of holding on to what causes suffering. Achancha says, do everything with a mind that lets go. Do not expect praise or reward. If you let go a little, 
you will have a lot of a little peace. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of peace. If you let go completely, you will know complete peace and freedom. The deepest liberation. So this is the the far-reaching benefit of this act of generosity. I was struck recently when I offered a meal at the last retreat that I was at in Burma. And so one of the things we do when we offer a meal, it's quite uh, formal, is they call you during, uh, when, for that meal that you have offered, and they invite you up to the area where the monks are eating. And they uh, let you take each plate and offer it to the monk, uh, one of the monks who's sitting at the table, the head monk, many times, Upandita or one of the other teaching monks, and they receive it. So you offer and they touch it and they receive it. But before you go through the offering of every plate of food, they ask you to repeat something that you're repeating in the evening. Or, oh no, it's in the morning. Idang me silang magapalanyanasa pachayo hotu. May the sila, but in this case, I would. they made me repeat. Idang me danang, that means... May this dana, this act of generosity, lead me to the highest happiness, which is nibbana, which is the unconditional, which is the highest happiness of peace. And so it really struck me that that, that moment of giving is, is so, so precious to really have a conscious of where, awareness of that not only is it feeding these people which is helping them and <clears throat> to continue the teachings and also feeling in my heart the great moment of um, happiness for me to be able to give but also that uh, that moment is one more drop in, in that cultivation of letting go towards the great letting go Generosity is the opposite of desire. So cultivating non-clinging mind, the mind of non-attachment. Also, when generosity is practiced, many other qualities needed for spiritual awakening are also cultivated. For example, in a single moment of generosity, all the Brahma-viharas are there, loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity. Because in order to give, there must be first this care for the welfare of another being. So this is metta. There must be some compassion because you care about what suffering there may be at the present time or maybe at a future time. So it's a a reason for giving. There's some joy there involved because... uh, you can rejoice in, in their happiness of receiving the generosity from you. And people who know the value of generosity are not only receiving the gift because it's good for them, but when they know the value, they're receiving it because it's good for you. I can never not accept a gift of generosity because it would not complete that action, that cultivation of goodness of the other being. 
So it's so it's so important for generally for our happiness. We're developing at the same time equanimity because there needs to be some balance of mind and heart in order to let go of our energy, our possession, whether it's our energy, our time, our material goods. So we're not doing this to, you know, um, have an agenda to develop all of that, but actually they are indeed developed, all of those qualities. So at this meditation center where I was recently at, the donors of the food are not only on the board, you know, listed on the board like we have here. We're call, 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 kind of call, following the example of how it's done in Asia. But they're also many times present. So you can imagine how it might be in this meditation center, for example. Uh, we all get our food, and then the, then at one time the, one of the monks says, the food today was donated by the family of so-and-so. And oftentimes the whole family is there. Even at 5.30 in the morning, all the little children, and they might even be running around, you know, and, and the aunties and uncles, there could be 20, 30. Um, there could be a lot of them there at the Mahasi Center where Steve was a monk. They have a, p- a pavilion for 500 people that can see, that can witness the happiness of the giving, you know, of all the relatives when there is a, a giving. So at this meditation center, the, they have chairs and an area just for them. And so they announce who the donors are, and then at the end of the announcement, they, um, and also we chant, we, we chant metta, offering our metta to them and our gratitude to them. And then the, the monk will say, let us all rejoice in this meritorious act. And that just fills my heart with happiness, you know, that these beings are, have this meritorious act. And so um, then we say, sadhu, 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 well done, well done, well done. Not to make it an egocentric kind of experience for them, but really to uphold the beauty of their hearts, to really uphold that... And they're there, not not in a big, you know, headed way, but they're there, just so happy that they're giving, and they, you know, they're they're looking at this, or just looking at us, you know, that we're going to receive their food, and they actually walk around and offer us more food and watch us while we eat and everything, you know. <laughs> it it's just a wonderful experience. We're happy for them; they're happy for us. It's just so surrounded by happiness in that way, upholding the the beautiful qualities. So others also can be inspired by that. And it's not like a, a forcefulness, you know, that, oh, yes, this is a good thing to do. Why don't you give too? But it's it's showing there's there's so much purity that's involved in that. There's so much letting go. There's so much more than just that, that act of generosity that's involved. There's this um, saying that we've all heard, many of us have heard the Buddha say, if you knew as I do, 
the power of giving, you would not let a single meal pass without sharing it with others. Found something a little more complete. If beings knew as I know the results of sharing gifts, they would not enjoy their use without sharing them with others. Nor would the taint of stinginess obsess the heart. And even if it were their last and final bit of food, they would not enjoy its use without sharing it if there were anyone there to receive it. There are some times uh, during the meals that um, even the monks, knowing the benefit of this, they would give food to different ones of us in in the meditation hall. And then it, it would be such a lovely thing. And then we'd get this little bowl and we'd take a little bit. And then one of us, there might be four at a table, would get up and go to the next table and give that little bit. And then they would take a little bit. This little bowl would get all around, you know, the hundred people, maybe, maybe not, but it would go around to share the food. One time, the very first time that I offered a meal, it was here and at IMS many years ago. And actually, it was the first time that I ever saw Steve. He was a monk. I, I didn't know him at all. And um, so I offered one of the last meals of that retreat, which was a two-month retreat. And I was able to uh, go and be there when the meal was actually being served because it was one of the last days. And so um, before the meal was offered to the monks, Sayadaw Upandita gave a little talk to me, and he said, I, I would like you to know, and this is just kind of uh, what he said more or less, that in your generosity, you're giving strength, you're giving beauty, you're giving health, you're giving clarity of mind, you're giving life itself. What you receive from all of this giving in even a moment, is much stronger than all of that. You're receiving a purer heart. You're receiving uh, like the power of your practice of generosity, metta, karuna, goodwill. A moment of freedom of suffering. And it's really true. I was just so happy, just like those people were in watching us eat, I was so happy to watch all of them eat and know that they could continue in their life that day. It's said that generosity is an action completely surrounded by happiness. Why is that? Because when you really make it a mindfulness practice, an awareness practice, where it's intentional in, in every moment, you think ahead of time, you reflect ahead of time. Oh, you, you get this inspiration to give something, anything in your life. Um, flowers to someone else, a mo- some time to listen to what hardships they're going through, uh, whatever it is. And you think, oh, maybe I'll give this. 
And in the moment, if you look at your heart in the moment, in that moment, your heart's happy. Just to reflect that you might give something. And then in the moment that you actually complete that gift, that you actually give, if you take a look at your heart during that time, there could be, there is likely to be, a feeling of happiness right in that moment of giving. And then afterwards, after you've given, there's likely to be many, many moments of happiness, not just one moment, but many happiness moments from previous moments of giving. Just ponder on it for yourself. Remember the times that you've given and see what happens to your heart. There's a, um, a time when I visited um, a group of friends at a retreat center in Oregon where Seda Upandita was teaching. And as it, it is also my custom, it is also the habit, but now I'm more aware around it, of offering a meal. It's also a, um, just part of the Asian tradition. And so I I went, and that was the only day I was going to be there, and so I offered a meal. And I found out that uh, a person had come from British Columbia who was a cook, and he was offering, he had been the first to offer the meal for that day, the main meal for the monks. Um, But since I came, he said, it's okay, you know, it'll be your meal. And I offered the monetary means, but he actually brought the food And so I was in the kitchen chopping the vegetables with him. And so during that time chopping the vegetables, I said, I feel a little bit bad that I took your day, you know, of offering. And um, because this is my day to be here and you would be here for a few more days, I'm really grateful for that. I'm just feeling a little bad about that. And he said, oh, sister, he was Burmese, he said, Oh, sister, do not worry, do not worry. It's totally fine. I'm still having happiness from other previous moments, previous times of giving. And I said, oh, how is that? How is that? And he said, you know, only last week, because I'm a cook, I have to cook many things that aren't so good, like fish that are, uh, you know, shrimp that are still wiggling. That's not very good for my practice, he said. So once in a while, I go to the market. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.